0: DNS, DHCP, IPAM, and traffic steering delivered to SaaS, supporting your internal and public applications deployed in the cloud, a CDN, or your own facilities, serving your users no matter where they are. That is sponsor NS1 in a nutshell. Find out more about NS1 at ns1.com slash packetpushers. For your free account and some swag, that's ns1.com slash packetpushers.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey podcast, where we talk about the ongoing evolution of the IT professional. Thanks so much for listening. I am your host, Scott Lowe, and my goal today, as always, is to help equip and prepare listeners for their journey of learning across the full stack of technologies that are present in today's data centers and cloud environments. Now, today I'm joined by a guest, and we're going to be talking about something a little different than a lot of the technologies that I've focused on on the podcast thus far, and this is a little sitting a little higher than the infrastructure layer. We're going to be talking about uh, a project called Argo, and joining me to talk about Argo is Hong Wang with Acuity. Hong, how, uh, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for having me here.
1: Well, thank you for joining and uh, coming to share your experience and your expertise uh, um, about Argo and helping to educate some of the listeners of the show. Um, I like to always kind of remind guests that you know one of the goals of, of the podcast is to provide sort of like very, very practical advice for listeners. You know, there's lots of technologies out there that they, they have to learn and we want to give them some practical advice to be able to say, hey, here's something useful that you can do to get started with this protector technology. And I'm sure that you will be able to do that for our listeners when it comes to Argo.
2: Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, happy to help here.
1: I really appreciate that. So uh, why don't we start out just by having you sort of introduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about you and your background and your company and how you guys are all involved in, Ar- in Argo.
2: Definitely. So uh, my name is Ho Wan. So I'm the founder and the CEO of Acuity right now. So Acuity is the enterprise company for Argo as of now, as we are trying to put a vendor behind the open source project to help the others who want to adopt Argo. And uh, my Argo journey actually started about six years ago. So before that, we were a company called Applatics. And that company basically created Argo and made Argo open source. Then we got acquired by Intuit. So we spent about four years at Intuit, and recently, uh, me and my co-founder, Jesse Soon, we left Intuit, and we started this acuity journey, and the idea is trying to put a company behind the open source Argo project, and trying to support Argo to be to the next level.
1: Well, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Um, so I, I can't think of a, any better person to be talking about Argo than, than you. That's, fa- that's fabulous
2: yeah definitely. I'm the first person actually writing the Argo code uh about six years ago we We wrote in Goland we picked the the cutting edge technology, which is Kubernetes at that time, and when the Kubernetes was not even stable to me uh, but we invested that in and it right now it's a Kubernetes everywhere, so I think we bet on the right thing. so I'm very uh, happy about the current state
1: i I think you did make the right bet absolutely so <laughs> Um, let's talk about Argo. Uh, you know, I, I'm somewhat familiar with it, but like, from your perspective as you know, somebody who, who's building a company to focus on Argo, um, how would you describe Argo to folks who aren't familiar with it?
2: Uh, I mean, we have this official like one-liner saying that Argo project is a set of the Kubernetes native tools for deploying and running jobs and applications. This is a kind of official one, uh, but I won't try to make it more like close to you. Basically, Argo is a set of the two that help you with the Kubernetes journey to help you to adopt Kubernetes in a much easy way. Basically, that's our mission.
1: Gotcha. And I think one of the interesting things for me was um, when, I, when I first heard of Argo, it was not like everything that it is now. So there's really several sort of, I guess you could call them sub-projects that are associated with Argo, right?
2: That's right. I can share the history because I was the part of the history there. So initially we created Argo project. Very initially, we more focused on the CICD. So that is more like you are doing the build, test, uh, approval step, than you're doing the deployment. And the later we actually stripped out all the CICD logic and it just like keep the core logic called Argo workflow, means it's a workflow engine. It's just like running workflow. It doesn't do more than doing do less. It just workflow engine running on Kubernetes. So that is our first Argo project. And initially the, that project is being called Argo. But later, when we are doing more development at Intuit and we find more use cases to solve in the Kubernetes field, Basically, we need something to address into the scale problem. So we created an additional project called Argo CD, which is doing the continuous deployment. And later we created Argo rollouts. And also Argo events is kind of special. It's got a donated from the BlackRock to the Argo. Then we got so many Argo projects under Argo umbrella. So we renamed the original Argo to be Argo workflows. So right now, Argo is a project, is an umbrella of several products under that project to doing different things. Those projects are all independent, but we see a good amount of the, our customers are using them as a different combination to solving their unique challenges, So, which we are also very proud of.
1: That's, uh, that's pretty cool how, how the, the project has evolved and grown. Um, and I actually didn't know that what is now called workflows was the original piece. Like I thought that what we're now calling Argo CD would have been the original piece, right? So very interesting yeah. to learn.
2: Yeah, you are definitely right. So that is actually a good part of it because uh, we see the people are coming towards the Argo from the different perspective. Like Argo CD is more for the infrastructure people. Argo workflow is for the data processing, for the automation. So we see the different people coming to have their own view of Argo, but once they getting into the Argo, no more. They found Argo is so powerful, so capable. Like from when they started using Argo CD, then they adopting workflow. They starting with using Argo workflow, then they starting to using Argo CD, which is very good for the community.
1: Gotcha. Okay, so let's let's dig into these projects under the Argo umbrella real quick, and we'll, we'll just kind of you know take a. a a few minutes, several minutes, whatever, um, to talk about each of them so that the listeners kind of understand what they can do with each of these. Um, and now that I know that Workflows is sort of the original, let's start there, right? So, um, you know, tell me a little bit about Argo Workflows and then uh, after that, we'll move into, so, you know, some, some example use cases that either you have used it for or that you're seeing users
2: doing with it. Definitely. So Argo workflow is the container-native workflow engine. So when we're talking about workflow, we are talking about basically it's workflow. It means you finish task A, then you run task B, then you run task C, and it can be as complicated as you want. And uh, it's originally, uh, we thought this problem will be solved by Kubernetes natively. And actually, there is a long conversation, like talking about whether Kubernetes want to do their own its own workflow. And the Kubernetes actually make it very clear. The community say, "Hey, we are going to focus on the very basic functionality, which is pod. So they will ensure if you let me run a pod, which I will run it very reliably, very very end-to-end ownership lifecycle. Everything they will make sure that is very stable." They are not interested to build some more sophisticated orchestration system on top of that. Basically, how about you run pod A, then you run pod B, or maybe you need to finish like whole bunch of the other pod, then you run pod the next level of the pod. So that's where the Argo workflows really, really like fits into that role. Is that is the I think is the most successful Kubernetes native native workflow engine. Uh, in the market from the open source perspective.
1: So what other alternatives are there to Argo workflows right now? I mean, you mentioned it's most successful, but I mean like uh, off the top of my head, I don't even know, would it be Tekton or something else?
2: Yeah, Tekton is something new. Tekton was originated from the K native uh, for the serverless and they have this like workflow engine uh, customized build for the CI CD. And uh, that, I think that is another one. Uh, is getting more and more popular. And uh, you know what? Actually, recently at the KubeCon North American, Los Angeles, about a, a month ago, I, Argo Workflow and Town, we actually together, we present a session. Check it out. We have a lot of the good, uh, like, like sharing our view, sharing our progress, sharing our thoughts there. And feel free to check in that video from the KubeCon.
1: Okay, listeners, I'll make sure to include a link to the, CubeCon video that Hong just mentioned in the show notes, so we'll we'll make sure you have that. So um, now that we have an idea of what Argo Workflows is, right? Um, what sort of? I mean, I know this is very generic, like it's it's a workflow engine, right? You can do anything you want to do just by stitching tasks exactly. together. But but maybe you could provide for listeners something a little more you know, concrete, something you know very tangible. Like, can you tell us about a specific example of something that you thought was? like this is really cool that people are doing with argo workflows
2: definitely so uh as you mentioned uh, argo is very generic so argo workflow is very generic so we are not trying to see hey we are only to solving this use case we are only to solving that use case basically you can use workflow to whatever you want so in the end every single step of the workflow is a pod. Pod is made of several containers so You can put adding logic into that container. Then we will schedule it, we will run it, we'll ensure it respects the orchestration, make sure it's run after one run after another, and ensure they are being successfully scheduled. So, one very, very solid example, what we see the people are using is doing the ETL, basically doing the data processing. So, we see the people uh, using the workflow, especially because workflow is Kubernetes native. Means it really, really scales very well. Means you can split your data maybe into 100 or 200 parts. And the individual like step or individual pod can just like processing that part of the data. And then you can have this like merging layer, like fan out, then fan in. Then you can really, really have a like large scalable system to do the data processing. People doing the data processing from all perspectives, like from the satellite image, or uh, from just like the normal data. And we know, and financial, which is a big like, Chinese uh, e-payment uh, system. They are using it to, to deal with the data aggregation. Like every day, they are running a large scale. Uh, we know the CERN, uh, which from the Zurich, and they have uh, Switzerland. They basically have this uh, physical colliding machine they generate a huge amount of the high-energy high physical data, and they are using Argo workflow to processing the data to reveal like, what is there and what is the data can tell them in a large scale and on Kubernetes. Basically, people really, really using a lot for the data processing actually also as the replacement for the airflow nowadays, what do we see?
1: All right. And I guess, you know, to my simplistic mind, this also, it can almost kind of sounds like a giant, like a, I don't want to say a giant, but like a, an alternate version of like MapReduce where you're, you're splitting this data out and, you know, ch- processing little chunks of it and then bringing it back together again. It's a really interesting sort of use case.
2: Yeah, it is very interesting since the, the most important part is uh, uh, you basically, you have a, you have a Kubernetes cluster plus you are install workflow. Then you've got this massive like computation power to drive your like to get the result you want. Basically you can just like coding it up, uh, like chunk the data, process it, enhance it, enrich it, to do whatever you want, and you really, really can leverage the power of a Kubernetes in the large scale.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see that. So um, moving on then, um, you know I, I would imagine that there's a fair number of listeners out there who, when they hear Argo probably immediately think Argo CD. Right. Um, and I don't know if, if you would agree, but I I don't know. It almost feels like Argo CD is perhaps the the most well-known of the projects, even if it wasn't the original project. Right. But, um, what, what are users doing with Argo CD? Like what's the, what's the primary use case
0: here?
2: Yeah, RLCD, I want to talk about the history a little bit. So when we, uh, like my mission uh, at Intuit after acquisition is trying to transition the Intuit from the private data center to the, uh, to the Kubernetes on AWS. That is a very, very ambitious like, goal for us because we have multi-building business running and we're trying to make sure it's a smooth transition and also deliver the world-class like developer experience. So when we're trying to uh, scope the work and we figure out, hey, Kubernetes is a little bit complicated, I would say. There are so many YAML files and how people learn those things, how people can dele- and to deploy their software very reliably. So then we are looking at the open source space and we're looking at several options and nothing stands out to say, hey, this is a solution, this is really works out. Then it's basically we decided, hey, since there is no, no solution can fit in our needs. Then we basically created ROCD. So ROCD nowadays is being branded like more like GitOps with this concept with uh, uh, like continuous delivery. Uh, But it's actually a very straightforward uh, like product. What it's doing is uh, help you to sync or apply your manifest from the GitHub repo or Git repo to your cluster. And ensure that being done continuously means uh, it's being monitored, is monitoring what's in your Git repository and also monitoring what's on the runtime and continuously help you to monitor that health state. So I could say that in a very simple way is it is very advanced, useful way, a different way of doing the KubeCTL apply.
1: Right, right. So just to, to, you know, sort of repeat back to you what you were just saying is that really at its, at its, at its core, what Argo CD is doing is it's, it's watching a Git repository, and that could be, you know, GitHub or whatever the case may be, right? And users apply changes to the repository via committing those changes. And then it sees those changes and it says, oh, I need to take these changes and I need to essentially uh, run a kubectl apply to, to apply those changes to the target cluster or clusters where they need to be uh, where they need to be applied and, and keeping the changes that are committed in the repository uh, in sync with what's actually running in in the, in the uh, target environments.
2: Your understanding is correct. So the Argo CD definitely uh, has a lot of the, uh, very important features around that. It's not just like kubectl applying, like we are providing uh, application abstraction uh, on top of the Kubernetes because Kubernetes only providing namespace. And, uh, Application is actually like fine granular than namespace, and the, most of the times, all the developers for the particular team, uh, especially they are doing the multi tenancy on particular cluster, they don't even care about namespace. They care about their application to see whether it's in a good shape, whether someone actually changed something behind their back, and uh, and it's not being tracked. Basically, Argo CD provides this tool, which also kind of like solving the security auditing all those problems is. All your source of truth is actually in your Git repo. And the Argo CD is ensure that it's following the Git repo very closely and it doesn't allow the drift. Or if there any drift happened, it will have this nice view to show in the diff to know what is happening and what is being changed and what are you going to change to. And if something really, really bad happened, Argo CD pro- providing the one-click button, you can roll back to the previous good version and have a peace of mind.
0: I interrupt this podcast for a look back and a look ahead with sponsor NS1. Let's look back first. When I was the host master for a regional ISP, I would build zone files for my customers by hand in... Bind using VI. The bind server didn't have much in the way of intelligence. Bind just served up the A records and the C names, etc. And we hostmasters would observe things like transactions per second and query response times. And those were our success metrics. Woohoo! And twenty plus years ago, that was fine. But as we catch up to today, you're gonna want actual intelligence in your DNS, which is what NS1 gives you. You stand up your NS1 account in the cloud, it's a SaaS service, and do your configuration like you'd expect, and then NS1 can make sure that as client requests come through, they get handed off to the server that will give that end user the best experience. How does NS1 deliver this? Well, NS1 is globally distributed, and they take measurements from everywhere. Billions of measurements on a variety of metrics, and all that metadata gives intelligence to the DNS routing decision. Let's say your application delivery stack is all over, a variety of public clouds, and some of your own DCs or colos, and some CDNs that you're using. NS1 is what you're looking for to squeeze every ounce of performance between client and server from your apps. So if you're supporting that sort of an organization, the cloud native org, right? Then the answer to your next question is yes. Well, what was the question? Does NS1 support automation in my pipelines? You know, all the DevOps stuff. Yeah, absolutely. NS1 is a Terraform provider, a well-documented API that's public as well. In fact, you can go to their API docs. It's all public. You don't even have to climb a reg wall. There's more NS1 stuff that we could talk about. For example, NS1 has partnerships with Catchpoint, ThousandEyes, Datadog, and Ansible, and more. And there's some other really interesting use cases like their VPN traffic steering one, which really captured my attention. NS1 also works with some of the biggest infrastructures in the world like eBay, Dropbox, Salesforce, LinkedIn, and more. And if they can support those guys, I mean, I think they're certainly worth putting on your DDI evaluation list. For more information, visit ns1.com slash packet pushers. That's ns1.com/slash packet pushers for a free account. And they'll even throw in some swag for you. ns1.com slash packet pushers. And now back to today's episode. Well, two
1: things out of what you just said are super powerful in terms of an operational perspective, at least from from my view. One is um, you know, graphically or or clearly illustrating that diff. So if configuration drift does occur, you know, operators can easily see what the changes are where, you know, maybe an administrator, you know, rather than following the process of making changes and then going through, you know, code review and applying it to the repository, they just, you know, Kubectl edit and change something or, you know, change some YAML directly and applied it. Um, And so now you've got this, this drift from the repository to what's actually running. So being able to identify that is super useful. But then also equally powerful is that hey, I need to roll back to the previous, you know, previous uh, commit um, and and restore, you know, some previously good state, as opposed to whatever might be running now, which is super useful.
2: Exactly, so what I want to add to that is uh, all those things that are not possible without Kubernetes. So what we, because I have been working with Kubernetes for almost six years, so, so when just starting, not mature to the state right now, it's uh, readily available. Uh, from everywhere, from all the cloud providers, you can get a Kubernetes cluster, very cheap. Uh, What we learned based on our experience is Kubernetes really, really introduced something very, very powerful is its declarative API. Means uh, what you are doing uh, is you are not trying to make things complicated. Basically you tell the Kubernetes, here is a YAML. Here's the target state I want to be. Here is how many replicas, how many CPUs I want to assign. Here's my environment variable. You describe everything in YAML, which is their API, basically Kubernetes API. And Kubernetes will working very, very hard to respect your input and trying to get you to the end state. So which is very, very, I would say powerful and revolutionary, make the GitOps possible.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, 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 the underlying foundation that Kubernetes provides that Argo is sort of, you know, building upon, right, this declarative API is certainly, um, you know, very, very critical, right, that declarative nature of the API and being able to say, this is how it should be. And then having Kubernetes ensure that it is that way, right, uh, allows folks like you and other uh, open source projects to begin to extend that to make it even more powerful and more flexible. Um,
2: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what so- I what I want to extend a little bit because we see the other, uh, we also see because of this API, we currently believe the Kubernetes is uh, the only viable cloud agnostic solution, because you only need to do a development once. Also controlled by our CD, you using the tool. And you don't it actually doesn't care where your Kubernetes cluster is coming from. It came from EKS, coming from AKS, coming from JKE. It doesn't matter. You're doing one development and you're doing the on Kubernetes and you are using the Kubernetes native tools like Argo. Basically, you don't got this cloud vendor locking at all because in the end, you are using Kubernetes, you are using Kubernetes native tools.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Um, so thanks for mentioning that. Now we have two more projects I want to cover real quick, and then I want to get into sort of, you know, helping users, um, kind of figure out how they could get started. So, um, the next one that's in the list is Argo rollouts. Um, and, uh, I, am you know, I can kind of guess what the key here is based on the name, but like from your perspective, what's, what's the primary problem that we're trying to solve with Argo rollouts?
2: Yeah, Argo Rolls is another Kubernetes native tools. So it is a drop-in replacement for deployment. So deployment is a native object inside of Kubernetes. It's, it is quite powerful. It has this rolling upgrade strategy, help you to deploy multiple replicas uh, of the same binary, same container image, same pod into your system to get a very scalable uh, deployment strategy there. However, the deployment is also very limited. So nowadays, once you're getting more sophisticated and advanced, the usages like uh, uh, blue green canary, then deployment cannot solve it. So Argo Rollouts basically are providing a declarative progress delivery and experimentation layer. Uh, means uh, it's providing your blue green. It's providing your canary deployment strategy. And it has this good int- uh, integration with also the metrics providers, like Datadog, Wavefront, or you name it, any provider. Basically, you are you doing a canary as an example? You want to do in a step-by-step, means you want to roll out the new version 20%. Uh, but you also want to check in some golden signal, like uh, your sprung log means, oh, do I have any errors? Do I have increased error rate? So if there's no, cool we check, validated, then we roll out to 40%, 60%. Then, oh, sorry, from the metrics, we saw some like error code actually increased a lot. Then it immediately will roll back automatically. This will give the developers the full confidence about the like deployment, basically. Yes, there will be bug. There will be uh, nasty bugs that you will never be able to, to catch in the E2E environment, in the QA environment. Sometimes this is more like in the production, what is the last line of the defense can have to help you to ensure you don't put in a bad, bad release to all your customers. That's why you want to using a more sophisticated strategy to doing this deployment with those golden signals as the guard. And it also integrated with service mesh well, means it can help with the traffic shaping, with Istio, with Linkerd, with all those integrations to give you the confidence that when you want to roll out, you can roll out with all those like nice features baked in to help you to gain that confidence.
1: Okay, perfect. So what we're doing here is with rollouts is we're basically supercharging the built-in deployment object, right? With some advanced functionality, even though deployments can do rolling upgrades, they can't necessarily like upgrade 20% and then wait and then and then wait for feedback from, from metric systems and uh, and observability systems and that's you know kind of what, what rollouts does is it'll you know do a rolling upgrade but it's going to ro- upgrade 20% wait for the metrics and then continue on from there and if it gets a problem hey it's going to stop does do, so when it runs a problem does it like drop back to the previous deployment level or drop all the way back to like nothing
2: it can drop back all the way to nothing it's configurable it's up to oh, okay. the customer
1: gotcha all right. So in your example, like when they go from forty to sixty percent, and then they see this increased error rate, they could configure it to drop back to forty while they try and figure out exactly what's going on. Right?
2: Uh, exactly. So yeah. most of the time, people will roll back to the original state because they don't want to put a bad version. It's production. They don't want to put a bad version there, so they shouldn't troubleshooting in the production. So nowadays, I know the Intuit, Spotify, and also uh, many other big companies. They are trying to standardize. Uh, instead of using deployment, they are moving towards the Argo Routes because first one, Argo Routes has all the features deployment has already. So when they really, really need those advanced features, they can easily just drop in to do some little bit of modification, then they are getting those advanced features, which is very, very useful, especially for the mission-critical workload.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, and so the last project then, we've talked about workflows, we've talked about Argo CD, we talked about Argo rollouts. The last one is Argo Events. Um, what, what are users trying to, to solve? What problems are they tackling with Argo Events?
2: So every time I'm talking about Argo Events, I want to send the credits to BlackRock. Uh, they created this project and initially, and uh, they basically donated it to the Argo Umbrella, so which actually... Uh, we spend time to babysit it and actually rewrote a lot of logic to make it more uh, stable and uh, scalable. Uh, so Argo Events is, uh, I would say, it's not that complicated or, uh, or sophisticated. So it is more like uh, Argo Events providing you a way to listen to some internal or to external events. The events could be from SQS, PubSub. It could be even Kubernetes internal events. And it will have this way to trigger doing something else. Or it could even be from a calendar. Means you want to run something, like you want to generate the event every Monday in the morning. It can do that. And it will trigger something else. This something else can be a lot of difference. It can run a job, which is the Kubernetes job. It can run a pod. And the majority of our customers are actually using Argo events to trigger the workflow. So what I have happened, give you an example, is that people are using workflow and events to building a CI system. So events could be listening to the GitHub webhooks, it means someone create a PR, someone pushed a commit, the webhook will send an event to the Argo events. The Argo events will providing those events and uh, extricate the metadata information, what is a repo, what is commit, and providing that as the input parameter to the Argo workflow. People were writing their customized workflow to doing the build, to doing the Docker build, to doing the test, to, to, to doing the whatever needed to publish their software. So that is a CI system. So you think about the Argo events like a glue, it can use the event-based, uh, behavior, a uh, methodology, trying to glue things together. So the common use case, as I mentioned, is people using our events to trigger the workflow a lot uh, by, by, by some external system. Maybe the system is uh, uh, from a, a different team to say, hey, we collect enough data. So right now we, we, we market it to say, hey, data collected for today is done. How about I send an event to a queue, Kafka or somewhere, and then the other team to doing the data processing using Argo events will listen to that queue and get the information to say, hey, it's time for me to work on something. That event will trigger the workflow to process that batch of data and put that data to the place it's supposed to be to be consumed later.
1: Yeah, the connection between Argo events and Argo workflows, that 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 makes a lot of sense. Like being able to say, Hey, this, this thing happened, whatever that thing is, right. In your example of the building, the custom CI system, you know, okay. Yeah. Somebody issues a PR and then that, that event triggering a workflow, which then goes and does all the builds and runs the tests and, and all that kind of stuff that makes a ton of sense. And I could absolutely see people doing that. So, um, and, and it seems to me like events, I mean, with the exception of rollouts and Argo CD, like I see workflows and events as being very, very generic. Like you could do just about anything with workflows and events. And whereas Argo CD and Argo rollouts are like a little more targeted, a little more specific at, a, at like, this is the, 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 the thing that we're trying to do. Does that, does that make sense? Is that accurate?
2: Yeah, your understanding is correct. The so Argo CD and Argo Rollouts are more like a product right now. So basically you drop the ink, and the developers can just use it, starting to use it and see the value. And for the workflow and events, what we see in the field is that people are using workflow and events to building their machine learning experience for their other teams. Basically, there will be a machine learning platform team and they're trying to build in some generic, but biased, uh, I mean, biased in terms of their use case. So they're using Kubernetes. The next thing they will choose, oh, I need a workflow, then I need events, then they were building this thin layer. It's a CLI, it's a UI, you name it. Basically, they were providing that experience, that developer experience, machine learning experience on top of the workflow and the events and the Kubernetes, and the giving to their developers.
1: Very cool. Very very neat. So shifting gears just a little bit, um, you know, and knowing that the you know one of the focus of the podcast is to help people sort of get started with new technologies, right? Because there's so much out there happening in in the in the IT world and as IT professionals, we're just you know constantly bombarded with you know new products and new projects and all that kind of stuff. And and uh so with that in mind, like if I was a you know a brand new user and uh you know I I I listen to the podcast and I think, oh, Argo sounds really great. You know, I, I could definitely see some use cases. What would you say to that person, like, here's how to get started? What would what would your advice to that person be?
2: Um, I think the the Argo uh, does have this pre requirement is Kubernetes. So for a lot of the user and the customers, uh, your decision about using Argo, the most important part for that decision is not actually about Argo. It's actually about Kubernetes. So if your team and your company has made a decision to say, "Hey," We like the Kubernetes as the abstraction of our cloud. Basically, I enjoy the Kubernetes to be my cloud-agnostic solution. I also enjoy the Kubernetes the API, the, the the philosopher philosophy behind that Kubernetes API, declarative and those no things. You believe that is the future for your company, and you want to invest. That I think is the biggest decision you want to make. Then after you make that decision, to be honest, Argo. Is a very thin layer and very simple. So I bet you, if you want to run in the Argo, any of the project in your local laptop, assuming you are using Minikube, you are using the uh, Docker desktop Kubernetes, or you are using some like K3D, you can quickly bring up your local like playground cluster. You can install the Argo, any project in just like five minutes. I bet you can do that. You can open up the UI, you can connect to your repo, you can follow in our like, getting started, and you will see the value in about 10 to 20 minutes. And if, there's a tremendous amount of the, uh, like tutorial already on the website. You can just search it. Uh, you can find an easy Argo tutorial, just follow that and you will get, get it going. You will understand the value of it in, you know, in half an hour or an hour.
1: Got it. Okay, and and listeners, I'll I'll dig up the links for the getting started guides so that we can put those in the show notes, and that way, if you are interested in you know giving a uh, one of these projects a spin, then you'll be able to to do that. Um, so, aside from the getting started guides, have you come across any other resources or any other tools that uh, you know you found useful or helpful or? Um is there anything else you know users should look for when they're getting started, you know, in addition to that getting started guide? Any other resources?
2: Uh, I think just going to our website, uh, I mean the Argo uh Argo project. If you're searching the Argo project, I think you will find a lot of the uh not just like the our like like document. Uh, you can click on a lot of the, like videos uh, seminars uh, from webinars from our customers uh, basically we, we found a lot of customers they actually summarize their use case much better than us and feel free to figure out which company is actually more towards your use case like uh, we have people are using workflow for the machine learning and they are talking about a lot of the hyper parameter a lot of the complicated stuff in the machine learning world. And also you will find someone doing the, like CI system on top of the workflows. They were talking about how they schedule things, how they uh, orchestrate the Docker build, those things. You will find a lot of the like webinar and their recordings there to find them useful to your particular use case. So, but if you cannot find the right thing and you feel you need a little bit of help, you can always find me at the CNCF Argo channel. So I'm very, very active there. Just using my name, you will find me, or you just put it in the Slack channel. And we have a lot of the community members are happy to help each other to help you like get a jump start.
1: Perfect, perfect. I I love to hear when, uh you know, when I'm talking to someone and they're like, oh yeah, you know, we've got lots of community members and we've got a vibrant community because that's always just so so useful and so helpful, right? I mean, documentation is great. And I'm a huge fan of high quality documentation. Uh, but sometimes, you know, you need you need that human person on the other end of that slack conversation, right? To, uh, you know, figure out what it is you're, you're trying to do and help steer you in the right direction.
2: Exactly, we do believe it's open source. So right now we are doing a company behind this open source project, Argo, but our commitment to the open source didn't change at all. The idea is that we have a company, we are helping the customer who, who need more help, means they want to have the support, they want to have the SLA, but we are contributing a lot of our time still in the community. We want to grow the community, we want to make the product to be more solid. Uh, if there's no really a conflict of interest to say, hey, because we are vendors, we don't want the community to be successful. It's actually reversed way is because we are vendor, we can put more resources into the community to grow it to be even bigger.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree with you. I think that's, I'm just super glad to hear that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, All right, so we're nearing the end of our our time slot here, uh, Hong. Uh, I wonder, um, in addition to finding you in the Argo channel on the CNCF Slack, are there any other places where listeners could Uh, get in touch with you online, maybe on Twitter or a personal blog or anything like that.
2: Yeah, you definitely can find my Twitter handler is W A N G H O N G two three zero. Or you can just add us like acuity.io A K U I T Y I O at Twitter. Yeah, feel free to just reach out to us. I think the Slack channel is always the best way because we can have a quick like back and forth conversation on the Slack and uh, if you search my name you will see me every day i at least spend two hours in the community channel to help to address all kinds of the questions so a lot of times maybe your question has been asked before so you can just do a quick search you will find the answer but if you didn't find it feel free just post it there i think we will help you out so in the end we really want to have more and more happy argo customers and we are definitely seeing that uh, you know what, I want to share my one, my experience recently because I went to the KubeCon. I'm stuffing Argo booths at the KubeCon Los Angeles. So every time I was there, and there are always by someone coming to me to say, hey, I love Argo. Then it's with a smile on his face, I'm thinking, I'm so grateful that I have been involved in the Argo project. Every time I went to the KubeCon, it's kind of like I'm getting recharged there because there are so many happy customers so many people are supporting us to doing the right thing to grow the community i'm very very grateful about that i'm i'm definitely will work harder to earn your trust and please join us and uh, starting using argo and give us the, the good feedback bad feedback we will we will trying to make our product better
1: awesome awesome thanks for sharing that hong that's a great story to hear about you know users coming up and just telling you how much they love the project and and what you're doing with it. I mean, that's just, that's, that's gold right there. You know, that's like uh, few things can, can compare to, you know, the kind of positive feedback that you get from users when they, when you hear that, you know, they are, they have, you know, solved problems that were in their businesses with, with the, the work that you've done. It's, it's fantastic. So thanks for sharing that. Um, so again, thank you Hong um, uh, for joining us uh, folks. Be sure to you know, find him online if you have questions about Argo. You can get him on Twitter or you can get him on the Argo channel on CNCF Slack. We'll have links to all this in the show notes. So, uh, thank you so much, uh, Hong. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. And that's it for this episode, listeners. I'd like to thank you again for joining me, Scott Lowe, uh, your host, for another episode. Um, I b- would love to hear your feedback on on this episode with Hong where we're talking about uh, Argo or on any episode of the podcast. So if you have listened to any of the episodes and you want to provide some feedback, uh, feel free to uh, reach out uh, to me. You can reach me as at Scott underscore low uh, on Twitter, or you can reach the podcast directly at FSJ podcast on Twitter. Either way, uh, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to uh, you know answer any questions you have or if you have topic ideas or anything like that. If you get a chance to leave a review for us on one of the uh, podcast platforms, that would certainly be great. It helps us reach new listeners. And uh, so uh, once again, thanks for listening. This has been the Full Stack Journey podcast, where too much learning is never enough.